Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved. Cast out demons and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of men's souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, I can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. I want to welcome you to a early bird edition of Omega Man Radio, and uh, it is a real honor to bring back Minister Henry Groover. Brother Groover, I tell you, people have been saying, when are you getting Brother Groover on? And I said, well, he has open microphone anytime he wants, but I said he's a busy man, and as soon as I can track him down. Uh, last <laughs> time you were on, you were getting ready to go to the uh, DMZ zone in Korea. That's and, right. Uh, that's just one of many trips you've taken, but... That's right. When was that? Was that last ye- last uh, April? Yes, sir. It was probably in April. Ah, okay. Wow. And, uh, well, been there, done that two times now. <laughs> you've been on many trips since then, but uh, folks, I'm not going to talk because I'm here to hear Brother Groover and whatever the Lord puts in his heart today. So, Brother Groover, why don't you open up this program in prayer and then take the microphone? All righty, we'll do it. Thank you, Brother Davis. Hallelujah. Well, Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, thank you, thank you for Jesus, for our precious Yeshua HaMashiach, our Savior, our Lord, and our King, our soon-coming King, we believe. And uh, we're looking up, and the Spirit and the Bride are crying out and saying, Come, Lord Jesus, even so, come quickly. And uh, so, Father, we just believe that as you go out across these lines around the face of the earth, that your purpose and your plan in this divine appointment will be accomplished. I thank you for Brother Shannon Davis. Lord, I thank you for his persistence in calling me and getting a hold of me. I thank you for the timing of it. And I ask now that uh, the precious and holy blood of Jesus will just go across these airwaves and will cover this conversation, will cover every word that is spoken, every thought, every deed, every gesture, that there'll be no distractions, no diversions, nothing allowed by the enemy to come in to distract or divert for the listener as well as for ourselves here. 
I thank you, Lord, for a beautiful sunny afternoon here in Woodbine, Iowa. I appreciate it, Lord. It, it's cold, but it's sunny outside, and we thank you for the sunshine. And we commit this time to you now with thanksgiving and with praise in our hearts. And we praise you for it, Lord. We praise you with all of our hearts for your faithfulness. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord, we ask this. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Folks, again, welcome aboard. We're live right now with Minister Henry Groover. And Brother Groover, I see people as far away as South Africa today, uh, Cumbria, England, and the United States tuning in. So we've got a great crew. And uh, with that, the microphone is yours. Welcome aboard. Well, praise God. I just greet you, dear ones, in South Africa and over in Cumbria, over in Great Britain, and uh, wherever else across the United States here. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I, I thank you for for tuning in. I, I appreciate, I greatly appreciate Brother Davis, and I appreciate the work that he's doing. I have to say I don't get very very much time to listen to him. I'm on the road or in the air too much, but uh, I know he's doing a good work, and I appreciate him. The work that we've been doing uh, in Asia now is uh, we've completed our 18th year, 38 trips now to Asia. And uh, I've been working the islands of Japan. I've completed now 48 islands of Japan, 48 nations of the earth, and 48 islands of Japan. Uh, so that's rather interesting. I'm in 48-48 this year. <laughs> So it's a blessing. We just finished seven more islands since I was on Omega Man last time. And I don't count an island unless we walk and pray on it with a team and pray strategic sites. And so that's that's the work that we've been doing. Now, we also, since I've talked to you last, we prayed over the DMZ. And uh, it's for just a briefing for some of you. Why are you praying over the DMZ? Why is South Africa so significant to you? Well, I can definitely bring you to an update now on that because I have uh, I have learned a lot more about uh, this young man, Kim Sung-un, the leader of North Korea. And uh, I have learned that uh, his great-grandmother at the turn of the last century, was involved in a mighty move of God across Korea. That was, of course, back before Korea was divided. And uh, you didn't have a North and South Korea yet then. But uh, it was a mighty revival that took place, and that dear grandmother was just filled with the Spirit, and, and I understand had a tremendous testimony in the Lord for herself and praying for her children. So that would be the great-grandmother of the present young man that is ruling. And uh, so that was an eye-opener. And uh, the vision that I had was back on in April, coming up out of Sheridan, Wyoming, just to brief you that may have listened to me before, kind of bring you back to why... Why North Korea? Why is that on my heart? I was coming up out of Sheridan, Wyoming, heading toward Billings, Wyoming, or Billings, Montana, sorry. And uh, it began to snow, and next thing I knew, it was a whiteout. And I was 
all I could see were the tracks of the 18-wheeler down, looking down my hood and uh, afraid to stop because if somebody come up behind me, you know what happens. But um, so I really began to pray and seek the Lord with this heavy whiteout of snow. And it was that last big snow storm that went across America in April. And uh, as I was crying out to the Lord to help me, to protect me, and give me, give me wisdom, I had a vision. What a time to have a vision, an open vision, an open-eyed vision. And uh, why do I call it an open-eyed vision? Because uh, there are visions of the night. That's called a dream. That's an inspired dream of God. And it's a dream that God wants you to have to instruct you, teach you, or give you a confirmation or a call concerning your life. But uh, this was an open vision, which means my eyes were wide open, and all of a sudden I'm seeing this vision. I'm standing at the foot of Kim Sung Un's uh, uh, bed. He's just sit up and woke up. His eyes are big. I see the perspiration break out on his brow, and I can see utter terror over his face. And the Lord speaks to me in the vision and says, Now, I'm going to show you the dream that he has been having has reoccurred again and again. And in the dream, he's uh, walking among hundreds of thousands of his people with his security tied around him. And I see very clearly, it's like the Lord just zooms me in on the security people that are immediately around him. And... uh, Two ladies are around him, are part of the security forces. And uh, these two ladies, as they're walking, the one directly to the right behind him, the right of his right ear, looks over at the lady to the right and over to the man at the left, the security people. And uh, they're looking the other way. So she unsnaps her revolver, her pistol, and she's watching them and watching the crowd, but watching them, and watching to see if anybody's seen, or watching her. And as quickly as she sees nobody's watching, she pulls the revolver and very quickly aims it right behind his right ear and pulls the trigger. He drops dead right on the spot. And that was the dream. And the vision was over. And I can see again, and I realize that the road seems to be turning, but it really isn't turning. It's a a truck stop, and I'm following the tracks of this truck stop and realize now there's several trucks parked. So I pull off in front of them, away from being in the rear of them, and I shut off my motor, and I just began weeping and praying for this young man. For the first time in my life, God gave me such a tremendous burden for his soul. I began to see the value of his soul and how precious his soul is to Almighty God. And I think about that, you know, and I think about the Lord and, and how that he gave his life so that not any should perish, so that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have life everlasting. And the reality of those words of God's scripture, his word, came to me so strongly. That John 3.16 word was so precious to me at that instant. 
and his soul was so precious. And I sit there in that snowstorm weeping before the Lord, asking the Lord to translate me into his room. If he had literally just sit up and had had that dream, Father in heaven, translate me, pick me up right here out of this van and put me right at the foot of his bed, just like I just was in the vision. And I promise you, I will share with him what my God has shown me. I honestly believed at any instant the Lord would put me right there. I I believed with all my heart that I would just all of a sudden be right there. And uh, I have been translated before, so it, it wouldn't have been the first time. So that's probably one of the reasons it was so real to me. and And my heart was crying out for the Lord to do it. But uh, it didn't happen, and I sit there, and I finally dried my tears, and the van began to get cold, so I started up, and uh, the snow began to let off so I could see where I was going, and trucks were pulling out, so I pulled out too, and I had to get to Billings that night. And uh, so I every day at about 2.15 to 2.21, I would do everything I could to seek the Lord at that time and wait on the Lord to translate me and put me in front of this man. And it just didn't happen day after day. Well, then I was scheduled to uh, to go in June, I mean in April, back to Korea. And so by my thought, I thought, well, Lord, uh, maybe you will... Uh, Maybe you will, you will put me there. The 27th of April, I landed in Seoul, Korea, and uh, spent quite a lot of time there. And uh, so I, I had a meeting scheduled and, uh, in All Nations Church and uh, the 4th of, the, of May and through 5th, 6th, and 7th, and 8th. And uh, so I wanted to be sure and get to that, but I was willing, and I, I, I shared the vision that God gave me to the hundreds of people there in that conference. And the presence of God came down in such a precious and a beautiful way. And the people began weeping. And, you know, uh, the drummers were still drumming, and the bass guitar was still strumming away, and the, the three keyboardists and guitarists and all were, were still playing this this song. And, uh, you know, it's like Jesus just walked into that conference. And I was down on, I went down on my face just weeping before the Lord, thinking, Lord, are you going to put me before him? I, my whole focus and my whole cry was to, for the Lord to just translate me and put me in front of this man. and uh, But the presence of the Lord was so sweet and so special. And so I, I, I didn't want drums playing. I didn't want... You know, when heaven comes down, when heaven comes down, I don't want beats of drums. I don't want bass guitars keeping time. The reason is, to me, in heaven there's no time. And uh, so I, I got up from being down on my face on that big stage, and I went to the, the, the drummer, 
and I took hold of his hands, and I shook my head, no, I couldn't talk to him in Korean. I didn't know it. My interpreter was on his face yet over on the other side of the podium. The presence of the Lord was just coming in waves. It was just going in waves across that, that group of hundreds of people and was just moving on them so beautifully. It was, it was so precious. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, that sneeze has been coming. <laughs> and, uh, I don't have a sneeze button on this phone. <laughs> if I were on the air in a radio station, they have a cough button or a sneeze button. Brother Groover, you feel free to sneeze as much as you want. Listen, it's an honor to have you on, sneeze and all. <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you. I've been kind of battling a little bit of a cold here. But uh, anyhow, uh, I took hold of his, his hands and I shook my head no and took the drumsticks out of his hands and laid them down and took his hands by the wrists and lifted his hands and said, Worship the Lord. And the tears just began to shoot out of his eyes, and his hands stayed up, and he began worshiping. It was so precious. And I went over to the bass, two, two different bass guitarists, and I did the same thing with them and the other instrumentalists. There were three keyboardists. I went to two of them and told them no and raised their hands, and the number three keyboardist was playing perfect harmony, was playing just a very beautiful, gentle harmony, which fit, no beat, just fit and just flowed in, in perfect harmony with what the Spirit of the Lord was doing. Then I went back and went down. Uh, before I went down on my face, I just said, he's here, people, he's here. And I went down on my face just sobbing and sobbing. And I tell you, the presence of God just went through that place. I'm seeing the uh, the visitation of the Lord in Korea in a very pre precious and a very special way. These people spend four or five hours a day in prayer. Uh, if they have a 10 o'clock meeting in the morning, like in the conference, they are there at 5 o'clock, about 4.45, praying until the 10 o'clock meeting it. They're such a dedicated, committed people. I can see why God has protected them from, from any all-out attack, you know, on South Korea. Because they truly are seeking the Lord with all their hearts, and it's so precious. And so the Spirit of God just came in waves and went across those people, and it was, it was so beautiful. And that conference, it's like the Lord just crescented it with his presence so beautifully, that that day and uh every meeting after that was just so precious and uh so then we were scheduled to go and uh go to the dmc and walk and pray the dmc and uh there were actually three carloads of people that gathered to do so which really blessed me and uh that that was thrilling to me to see that many show up that really blessed me and uh, they did, and they were very serious about the Lord. And we we walked along, and then we prayed and lifted our hands toward the north and uh, began to cry out to the Lord, and uh, the presence of God came down. And I was telling the Lord, Lord, if, if, if you give me the peace and you give me the confidence, and I was praying this out loud, Lord, if you just give me the peace, I'll take off. 
I'll climb down from here and I'll start walking across that DMZ to to get arrested and request to see their their leader and tell him I have a message for him. Uh, I I fully meant it with all my heart. Well, my interpreter heard me heard me praying and saying that and said to me, "Please don't do that, Henry." Just a few days ago, a little elderly lady. Uh, took off walking across there. She wanted to see her sister before she died. She was in her 80s, and they shot her dead right on the DMZ, the North Koreans did. So maybe the Lord knew that her sister was in heaven already. Only the Lord knows. And maybe her meeting was in heaven with her sister. You know, we just don't know those things, do we? But uh, that kind of restrained me a little bit from being too overly zealous to just take off walking. <laughs> but I've, I, I've learned, I've learned through the years, if I would have started going that way and would have lost peace, I would have turned back. You know, Shannon, I, I was on with you one night talking about prayer walking and, yes. and the importance of peace, the importance of following and going through in peace. That is I cannot emphasize that enough. It it is it is the most accurate GPS of the spiritual realm. <laughs> to to go in the peace of God. If you go in the peace of God, you will always get to your destination, you know. And well, the Grover, so I didn't get to go. Uh-huh. What was the rule again for those that didn't hear that when you lose your peace, what do you do? You stop, you go back and seek the Lord as to how you've You've stepped aside from the Lord. You've stepped away from the Lord because he's the Prince of Peace. And when you step away from the Lord, you don't have peace. You lose peace. When you're in his perfect will, you have peace. And that, that is one of the most precious rules that I, the Lord taught me when I was just 18 years old. He, that's the first words the Lord spoke to me about prayer walking. He said to me, start walking, I'll give you peace, and I'll give you a song. Now, I was a very shy 18-year-old, and he said, I'll give you peace, and I'll give you a song, and if at any time you lose the peace or you cannot remember the song, stop, go back, and find the peace. Go back where you get peace back again. And that night was a real test to to do that because it kept me away from people, and I had a hundred gospel tracts to hand out, and, and and every time I would head toward people crossing a road or whatever or going a different direction, I would lose peace. I couldn't remember my song, and uh, that that day in February of 1961 was when the Lord began teaching me that, and it was just so precious. And so you were in Korea and uh, so in Co- Korea, I, I was seeking the Lord about peace. You know, if you'll give me peace, I'll walk across this DMZ. I will believe that they could shoot me and the bullets won't even hit me. I will believe that you can perform such a miracle that they will, they will obey me and take me to their leader. <laughs> I had that kind of, that kind of confidence and was asking the Lord that I, I, I can believe, Lord, that, that I can do this if you want me to. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to risk my life, not just to be shot, but I want to get the message to him. And if, if that's the way of doing it, give me the peace to go and 
these three carloads of Korean people will see me going, and they will see a miracle. They will see me go, and they'll see me come back, I believe. And uh, so that was the way I felt. I just felt that so strongly in my spirit. But the Lord didn't lead me. He didn't give me the peace to, to head out across there. But we did intercede, and uh, then we left and came back at night, not very far from the DMZ, and had a prayer meeting that night and sought the Lord and, and uh, had uh, a good time of fellowship seeking the Lord, and it was good. It was good. And uh, so I had several more meetings across uh, Korea, and here's, here's something I want to express. Uh, any of you young people out there listening, uh, there is something going on in South Korea right now, and I would not be a bit surprised, but what it is, uh, it is taking place and could be taking place in Great Britain, could be taking place in, in Europe, across somewhere, or Africa. The Islamic people have a program where the young men are going and they are confronting young ladies, young girls, prospective students, and they are propositioning them that if you want a college or university degree, we will pay the full ticket for your, your education, your lodging, your food, and everything on the condition that you will go over to the Middle East to a university for the first year. And uh, this is going on in South Korea now, and they are recruiting many, many, many young Korean girls. And uh, they were telling me this in a church that I was in. And five pastors were there, and their hearts were very troubled. And what happens is, in that first year, they work on converting them to Islam. And if they don't convert to Islam, then the parents seem to lose track of them and they don't know what happened to their daughters. So they put out warnings in many of the churches across South Korea about this. Don't accept those offers. But many that are not Christians are not getting that message and are not hearing that. So I, I just speak that in case if there's anybody from South Korea listening uh, share that. Share that in your fellowships. Share the, the the solemn warning of that and the danger of that because it's a very, very crafty thing that the they're doing in Islam right now. You see, in South Korea, there's such a surplus of young girls, of university-age girls, that there's just no husband for them. There seems to be the same problem in Japan. Many of these southern islands of Japan, from Okinawa down in there, so many young ladies cannot find a husband because the young men go to Tokyo or Osaka and Nagoya and go to university there, and they wind up meeting a, meeting a ride there and get married there and keep working up there. So it, it's created such a tremendous surplus uh, of young girls. And so Islam sees this, and... Uh, they're building mosques and they're pray, building Islamic prayer centers all over Korea, South Korea. Uh, they're building them very rapidly. In, in Busan, I saw a massive, massive uh, Islamic temple 
with the big minarets, four big minarets way up in the air. And uh, they're building them very rapidly, and they're boasting that South Korea will be their Asian headquarters for Islam, for taking Asia. So we're seeing that take place. And so there's a lot of things taking place right now in the world uh, that we can see that uh, the spirit of Islam is very strong in the world. And uh, they're moving forward. They're evangelizing. They're very serious. And so, Christians, I want to say to you, I hope that you will hear what I'm saying and that you will be very serious about your, your Christian experience and about your Christian life and your, your testimony. Because if we, don't, if we don't get busy and minister and witness to these Islamic people, we're going to see, well, we're already seeing it uh, all over America. We're seeing it in Africa. We're seeing it all over in Asia as well. Islam is growing very rapidly. Uh, South Korea is a kind of a melting pot uh, for Asia. Uh, Filipinos, Burma, Bangladesh, Indonesians uh, can come freely to South Korea and find work. They come in on a worker's permit. And Islam is wasting no time in witnessing to these to get them converted to Islam. So we're we're seeing just a, 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 a cry of desperation to the Christians now to reach out to all these different uh, cultures and nationalities that are coming into these countries. As I have even said, that we, we really desperately need to reach out to the South Americans that are coming from all across South America to America here, as well as Muslims and uh, Asians from many, many parts of Asia are coming to America to get their education. And so we have every opportunity around these educational centers to, to, to witness and to be a tremendous testimony and, and lead these individuals to the Lord before they do in Islam. I think we better get on the ball and, and do our job in evangelism. So if you're, you're, Christian and member of churches and all in fellowships, listen to what I'm saying and ask the Lord to give you a burden for the foreigners that have come within your country, within your city, within this state here of the United States, that the Lord will use you to reach out to them. Just give literature, pray for them, pray for them. If you really pray and seek the Lord before you go to witness, God will open the door. And this is a beautiful opportunity that we have right now because every nation seems to be beginning to be a multicultural melting pot where the nations of the earth are shifting about from nation to nation in a, in a greater magnitude than I have ever seen in my life. There's such a hunger and such a searching across the earth for a better education, for better understanding, better job. And so people are, are reaching out now. And so I, I just plead with you in the name of Jesus, just take this, take this seriously, if you would. Take it very seriously. 
some of the areas that we have been uh, walking and praying now in Korea are where some of the major battles took place and very, very high casualty rates. And uh, while I was over there, the, uh, the man in his 80s was, went into North Korea and, you know, was arrested. They just released him this week. But um, they, they felt, well, he had to make a statement, you know, that he had done wrong and all. Then they released him. But they'd kept him quite some time. But uh, I understand that uh, the leader of, of North Korea has fired his, his top negotiator with China, and who is his uncle, his, his father's sister's husband. And uh, as you probably heard me on a previous program, uh, his father's sister, his aunt, has been his main counsel, has been his main strength as a young man. And so we need to really pray for him and pray for his safety and, and pray for this whole transition because something is, is going on very seriously now. Uh, I just heard yesterday talking to some individuals in Korea South Korea, that they had uh, heard on the news that uh, that uh, Kim Sun-un, the leader of North Korea, had gathered together 80 Christians, put them in a very large arena, and tortured their children right before their eyes, and then killed them. Made the people of North Korea look on and watch this and tell him this is what will happen if you try to bring a religion into Korea. And so it's it's interesting, the extreme that's across that DMZ, the extreme of, <laughs> of, of a, a system, dictatorial system, and uh, it's that it would do this, these kind of brutalities. Uh, so I don't know uh, exactly what all is going on. There definitely is a major shaking. I know Dennis Rodham, uh, Rodman is, is going over there again to teach more basketball because the young man really loves basketball <laughs> and, uh, and to coach and to teach uh, a national basketball team. So changes are taking place. So, so pray for Dennis Rodman. Pray for him that uh, that God will use that young man. That He will truly use him and give him wisdom. Because I do understand that he did make a plea for a pastor that was arrested for preaching over there, a South Korean pastor that went into North Korea and was preaching. Uh, he did make a plea for his release, but the leader did not release him. But I heard that, and that really blessed me, and I hope it's true. So pray for Dennis Rodman. Pray for him that God will speak into his life. There's a, there's a tremendous cry in the heart of the people of South Korea. They're praying many long hours every day, crying out to the Lord uh, for, for North and South to be united again. I mean, it's... I know it's hard for us to understand a nation that has been divided now for so many years. Uh, it's very hard for us to understand how, uh, <laughs> how, 
how families have been divided and, and families are perishing and they're not able to communicate with their loved ones. But it, to me, it would be a beautiful thing if they could reunite. But they they want to be sure and certain that the the union or the uniting together would be righteous and would be holy. And so, of course, Christians are praying for that. And that's we know is is really the only real real and true procedure for uniting North and South Korea. So I just throw that out there to you, that you will join in with us from all over the world. Join in with us, praying and seeking the Lord for North and South Korea to find a way to dissolve their differences, their issues, and to unite. I think it'd be just awesome. Absolutely. If you're just tuning in, we have Minister Henry Groover on with us live today. Now, Brother Groover, after uh, the Korea trip, uh, did you uh, return back to Japan on your next trip? Yes, I I went over to Japan from there. Give us an update on uh, what you've seen in Japan since we talked to you last. What's going on there? Oh, I tell you, we're seeing awesome things take place. I I flew into uh, Osaka. And then uh, went with a brother and went up to Nagoya and the Christian Way Church up there, pastor. Uh, he had received a phone call from a Buddhist priest, a Buddhist priest that was a monk in Hiroshima when the bomb exploded. He was far enough out on the outskirt that he didn't die. He did get some radiation. The priest over him ate contaminated chicken and died and uh, he's been a a Buddhist priest now for all those years in the Nagoya area in a Buddhist temple well five years ago uh, he had begun studying he had begun studying the the crucifixion and the persecution of Christians the beheading of them the torturing of them in the 1400s and uh, it so stirred his heart, he read in the newspaper in Nagoya there that I was going to be speaking in the Christian Way Church. So he called the Christian Way number, and he asked the pastor, is there any chance that this American would come and sit and talk to me? I want to ask him questions. And, of course, the pastor said, well, I'm sure Henry would and agreed to it, and then when he picked me up at the train terminal, my interpreter in Nagoya, he asked me the question if I would be willing to do it. Well, <laughs> of course, I was excited and said, absolutely, I'll talk to Buddhist priests anytime. I talk to them every week when I'm walking and praying their temples. Uh, every chance I get, I will I will talk to them and uh, and join, you know, go in with them and, and ask them questions about their temple and all, and and then compare and show them the the comparison of the Bible. And people, you say, oh, now wait a minute, how can there be how can there be a comparison of of the Buddhist religion with the Christian religion or the Bible? All right, now answer me a question. When you go into the Buddhist temple, you burn incense, right? Well, in the Old Testament, 
there was incense burned that went up into the nostrils of the Lord and was a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. There were sacrifices of thanksgiving and praise, and uh, like grain and things were put on the altar, and like the smell of fresh bread or something cooking or popcorn popping. Uh, then there was the meat sacrifices and all that. So <clears throat> God is very sensitive. Our God, the God of Christians, is very sensitive to a good barbecue, the way I look at it. That's right. <laughs> A good barbecue, I call it. I'm not pleased. Don't think I'm being sacrilegious because I know in the Old Testament that barbecue was a time for sins and for thanksgiving and all and worship. So uh, I'm not not belittling that. That's very important because uh, of the New Testament and our Savior giving his life. But um, I shared things like that with him, and uh, I had already been in many Buddhist temples, so I knew what questions to ask. And I asked him, as you go in right up before the main altar, going into the main front where Big Buddha is sitting right there, uh, here towering over you is this geodesic, uh, golden geodesic, uh, looks like a big bird cage in a way, and it has pedestals coming out from all eight sides, and from uh, from them, those pedestals or those spires coming out all eight sides, you have the dragon's head, and then you have a chain coming down from his, his, his head, and guess what you have on that chain alongside that geodesic big bird cage like that golden bird cage? You have bells and pomegranates, bells and pomegranates. Now, what does that tell you if you know anything at all about the Old Testament? Bells and pomegranates are what the high priest had on his priestly garment when he went in once a year for the sins of the nation, wasn't it? And as long as those bells were ringing, the golden pomegranates would shake the bells, and the bells would be ringing so they would, they would rejoice because he's walking around in there doing the sacrifice. Well, see, I take that, and when they explain to me what that means, I said, well, you know, that's in our holy book. Well, I immediately have their interest, because they don't know much about it. Some of them know nothing about Christianity. And I tell them how the priest in the Old Testament went in to offer up sacrifices and all, and that was on his priestly garment. And uh, he wore on his chest a Urim and Thummim of 12 precious stones. And he would inquire of the Lord from the Urim and Thummim, those 12 stones, and there would be a a lighting up signification of direction from the Lord. That was their way of inquiring from the Lord. So I would share things like this with the Buddhist priests and the Shinto priests in these temples and shrines. And so I was pretty well versed when I got invited by him to to come to his Buddhist temple. And so he walked me around, and I talked to him, and he had his son videotaping. So he was videotaping everything I said and every answer I gave him and all in the hell room. They have a room on hell, and they have a room on heaven. Because the Buddhists believe in heaven, and they believe in hell. And so, of course, I uh, I shared with him all about going to heaven. 
and the streets of gold. And I said to him, I said, you know, I went to heaven. And he said, you mean Tateyama? Tateyama is where they have the heaven up above uh, 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 oh, Toyama. Toyama, Japan. You go up above onto Tateyama. Tate is the name of the mountain, and Yama is mountain in Japanese. And uh, so up on Tateyama, you have a river of life, and you have a bridge that has the red, the Chinese red over it, painted in Chinese red with golden spires on each end. And you have 52 little slats, about a, about almost like a one by one and a quarter, one a quarter inch thick by about one and a quarter. 52 of those slats are on that bridge going over the river of life. They literally call it the river of life. And you go with the high priest, and you all dress in white raiment. Well, think about that. Isn't that awesome? You see how close it is to the Bible, how Zen Buddhism it has so many correlations of the Bible. And, uh, of course, then I told him, like, yes, I have been to Tatayama, and I've been over the river of life. I've stepped into heaven, but... In heaven in Tateyama, the streets are paved with black asphalt. I said, in the heaven I was first took my steps in, the streets were pure gold. And everybody dressed in white raiment, like you're talking about. But, uh, and then as you go into the, uh, you step into the, onto the street in heaven, over the bridge, over the river of life, you look to your left, and here are pedestals of polished black stone. And uh, I had asked the priest about that. What does this signify? And he said, well, that those stones hold the remains or the ashes of individuals who qualify for being buried, have their ashes put in heaven. And he said to me, now, you need to be very wealthy to have your ashes put there. <laughs> so you got to pay the price <laughs> to have your, your remains buried in heaven. <laughs> So I shared things like this with him, you know, and in the book of Revelation, God says if if we will overcome and we will do what he tells us to do, be obedient to him, he'll give us a white stone, and he'll grant that us to sit down beside him. And so we have wonderful opportunities in Christianity to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so... That's where we are in that, and so I shared those things with him five years before, answered his questions and all, and he wept. He wept five years before and asked me to come over to the side room where his wife was, and they served a meal, and we sit, and we had a meal together. Wow. And uh, he recorded every bit of it, and he asked if I would pray for him. And so I asked if I could lay hands on his head. And I prayed over him. And here's kind of the way I pray when I pray over a Buddhist priest or a non-believer. I pray that the Lord will just bless him abundantly and pour his goodness upon him. Because Romans Romans uh, 2 verse 4 says, For it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance. So it's a code language that I use when I pray over these individuals. And, of course, while I'm talking to them, I'm remitting their sins. John 20, verse 23, 
whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. And so I remit the sins of, of idolatry and, uh, and the spirit of stubbornness, because Samuel said to Saul, stubbornness is as idolatry and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Well, I, don't, I didn't feel led with this dear man to, to remit the sin of, of, of rebellion, but just strictly of stubbornness. And uh, when I laid over my hands on his head and prayed over him, I just asked the Lord to bless him, to pour his love and his goodness upon him, bless his son, bless his dear wife, and bless everyone that they work with, and just show your love and your goodness to them in such an awesome magnitude. And the dear man just cried, thanking me. Well, that was five years ago. He read in the paper that I was coming back to to that part of Nagoya. He called up the Christian Way pastor and said, You know, it's been five years. I have not heard from this man. I haven't seen him. Is there any chance he would come by again? And so the pastor made arrangements for me to go by, and my interpreter and three other young fellows from the Christian Way Church. And uh, we had three hours again with him. And, you know, I've got him on videotape. I've got three hours of him, of that conversation in my interpreter. It's not a high-quality one, but you can hear it, and you have to pay close attention, but uh, you can hear my interpreter interpreting what he's saying and interpreting what I'm saying. And, you know, you can see him right on videotape just sobbing and weeping saying, Subarashi, Subarashi, wonderful, 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 and thanking me, thanking me again and again for coming back, saying, he literally, I have him on videotape saying, I have thought about you every day in the past five years. I have thought about you. And uh, bless his heart, he's, uh, he has a mission, he says, he's going to, uh, He's going to build a new temple. He has a mission to build a new temple. He said, I know I won't live long enough to do much in it, but my son, who's becoming a priest, who since five years ago has gotten married, and they have a little baby now, about 18-month-old, and uh, the wife and the the son uh, asked me if I would be willing to bless the baby. And so I laid hands on the baby, held the baby, actually, and bless the baby, that little baby of that Buddhist priest, the young man that will be taking the place of his father. So that was, and they walked clear outside thanking us again. So Praise that, was a, Brother, that was a um, glorious thing. Groover, How are we you doing re- on time? Oh, we're doing great. We've got, uh, I've got another one hour. Oh, okay. Oh, we're doing all right. You've got another hour, huh? And if you need a break wow. at all, just let me know. We're live right now with uh, Minister Henry Groover. Brother Groover, let me ask you a question. Uh, mm-hmm. You were praying there with the Buddhist monk whom you had seen five years earlier. Yeah. And uh, as he allowed you to pray for him, um, <laughs> again, uh, how did you pray? You asked the Lord to bless him and pour out his goodness on him? Pour his goodness upon him. Just bless him abundantly, pouring out your your heavenly goodness upon him. Because Romans 2, verse 4 says, it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. 
And so when we remit, see, while he's talking, I'm remitting his sins, his wife's sins, his sons, his daughter-in-laws, and their sins, and then asking God to pour his goodness upon them. And the goodness of God, you know, remember what I I asked the Lord, I don't know if I told you this on the air one time, uh, in Shrewsbury, England, standing looking at the blitzed-out castle of Shrewsbury Castle, I asked the Lord this, 1986, in May. I said, Father in heaven, what is your definition of what happens to the sinner when I I remit their sin? Now, remitting sins means you're asking God to forgive them when they're not repenting. Okay? And here's what my Father in heaven told me. I love his definition. He said, when you remit a sinner's sins, (coughs) I, the Lord God, lift the heavy load of condemnation off of the sinner, giving the sinner a space of time to repent. He said, then, for he said, you see, the sinner lives under the load of condemnation 24 hours a day. But there is no condemnation to Christians. Romans 8, verse 1 very clearly states that. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And so therefore we have no condemnation. But the Lord said to me, the non-believer lives under that heavy load of condemnation 24 hours a day. So when you ask me to remit their sins, I lift the load of condemnation off. Then I want you to ask me (coughs) to pour my goodness upon the sinner, for it is my goodness that leads to repentance, Romans 2, verse 4. And uh, so that's how I prayed over him. And I tell you, brother... Uh, I have seen it again and again. I have been confronted by people that had knives and guns on me and around me were going to kill me, and I begin remitting their sins, and they either run away or begin asking what I'm doing because my lips aren't moving. You can do this and not even open your mouth. You can do it silently, but do it from your heart. Do it out of compassion for the soul of the individual. Brother Gruber, and, uh, give an example for that dear Buddhist priest. Give an example of how you would pray, so we'll understand how we can remit the sin. So, okay, all right. Let, let, let me give an extreme thing. If you have a family member there, let's bring it right down to home. Okay, yes, perfect. You have a family member that is verbally abusive or physically abusive, and uh, so what do you do? You just say, "Father in heaven." I refuse to retain this person's sin. I know what they're doing is wrong. I know it is sin, and I know it grieves you. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I remit this sin. And I ask you, Lord, to pour your love and your goodness upon this loved one right now. Now, if you look up in in your dictionary, the word remit, one of the most thorough ones, uh, dictionaries I've ever found to give the definition of the word remit 
is a Funk and Wagnalls 1930. It's just about as high as it is wide. It's a, it gives you the full English lesson, and it gives you the full synonym and anonym of the word remit. <laughs> the synonym of the word, uh, the positive side of the word is to release, relax, absolve, discontinue, leave off, mitigate, alleviate, soften, relent, consign, and deliver. That's what you're literally witnessing. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you have been given the power to be a witness. That means you have been given the power to see the response of your prayer right before your eyes. And I've seen it so many times. When I've done this, when violent people were cursing me and so angry with me and wanted to kill me, I just look at them and when I start asking Jesus to forgive them like Jesus did on the cross, like Stephen did when he was being stoned in Acts chapter 7, Father, forgive them. Lay not this sin to their charge. They don't know what they're doing. It is a most powerful, powerful force. And so when I do that, I have seen the power of God come on the scene. And believe me, if, if you hold any bitterness or unforgiveness in your heart toward any individual that you're asking God to forgive, then you won't be able to follow it through by asking the Lord to pour his love and his goodness upon them. <laughs> you will have a, a difficult time praying that. But if you're truly doing it from your heart, as you ask God to pour his love and his goodness on the sinner, then I tell you what, you will begin to sense the presence of the Lord and the peace of God coming over you in such a beautiful way that with gangsters and gangs that have surrounded me, when that peace of God comes on me after I've remitted, I can look the leader right in the eye and smile. And it intimidates them. They don't know what to do. I've had them look around because immediately the fear that they're hoping, the enemy is hoping to project onto me, that fear has come onto them. And they think I've got a bigger gun or a bigger gang or something. Uh, I've got them in their sights. You know what I mean? Yes. And uh, they turn and run away. I've seen it many times. I've had them stay, I've had gang leaders stay and say, what are you doing? And I, I've told them, I, I'm asking Jesus to forgive you. <laughs> and I've had them say to me, stop it. I have a strange feeling down here in my stomach when you do that. Don't do that. <laughs> and I said to them, that's the Holy Spirit. What do you mean the Holy Spirit? You mean a ghost? No, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Almighty God. He's drawing you. He loves you. He's convicting you of your, of your wrongdoing. He wants to forgive you. And I've said these things many times before individuals, and it, it, it just disarms them. I've seen them just start weeping. And then other times I've had them say, please, just, just stop that. I, I, I can't stand this strange feeling, but I want to talk to you. <laughs> Brother Groover, when you start to remit the sins, let's say if someone was bound up in, uh, let's say they're involved in witchcraft or yeah. uh, heavy-duty drug use, what would you say? Would you say, Lord, I remit the sin of witchcraft, or would you say, Lord, forgive them 
of the sin of witchcraft in Jesus' name? How would you verbalize that? Uh, I think, Shannon, I think I would start in the area of Father in Heaven. I remit the sin of the forefathers or ancestors or sexual joining of this individual in front of me here that opened the door to this person hearing these spirits and going into sorcery. I remit that sin right now, as far back as needs be, as many generations. For the Lord says he, he visits the iniquity of the fathers to the children to the third and the fourth generation, doesn't he? And yes. so, and Paul said, if you join to a harlot, you're a harlot. Well, if you join to a sorcery person, you're, you're automatically inducted into sorcery. Uh, people do not realize how serious sexual joinings are that the iniquity of the forefathers and, and of generational sins in that person they joined to now comes on them. They become one flesh with that same curse and spirit. Wow. And it's a very serious thing. They don't realize uh, just a one-night stand. Oh, it was just a one-night stand. I beg your pardon. You don't realize what you took on in that one night. You took on up to four generations back and even the scripture says, and forever of them that hate me. I have had individuals come before me and say, listen, I only had a one night stand. I mean, what happened to me? It's like, it's like my heart became so cold and so hard and so calloused. And, and you talk about God and you, you seem to have such freedom talking about God. I don't, I can't even touch God. I don't, it's like there's nothing inside of me. It's almost like I'm going to say to you, I hate God. Don't talk to me about a loving God. And I say to that individual, I have your answer. And, and they, their eyes get big and they say, what? Nobody's ever told me they have the answer. What do you mean they have the answer? This better be good, you know, they'll say something like that. You're not leading me on, you know, are you? What do you, what do you want? You know, all those kind of questions begin to pop out when you... When you tell somebody you have the answer, and I say to them, the reason this coldness and 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 dif, dif, uh, indifference has taken you over, you say you only had a one night stand, but do you know anything of the history of that person and the four generations before them? Well, of course I don't. Well, you see, back in those generations, they committed such a sin that God said, "I hate them." And you have partaken of that sin by becoming one in the flesh with them. And they, they said to me, that scares me. You're scaring me. I said, I know. It would be better you would be scared with the truth than scared with a curse, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, but I don't understand where you're coming from. And I say, well, listen. Do you want to be freed up that, of that coldness? Do you really want to be set free from it? And they'll say, well, yeah, I would like to, but how? And I say, I want you to go back with me, and I will give you words to renounce that sexual joining. And, and they say, well, how do I do that? And I say, well, I, and you give your name by my will and my choice. I choose to renounce that sexual union and the, the oaths, the covenants, the curses, the fetishes, the agreements with the unfruitful works of darkness as many generations back as needs be. 
I choose to renounce that, and from this day forward, by my will and my choice, I believe, Almighty God, you hear me here. By my will and my choice, I choose to have no further fellowship with these unfruitful works of darkness. But the Word of God says that I can reprove them in the name of Jesus, rebuke them. And so I choose this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to reprove, reprove, for I have repented of this joining. Now I choose to reprove and to renounce this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of his shed blood for the remission of those sins and my sins in that joining, and the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of those attributes I declare and proclaim because they were the payment for my freedom. I declare them. I believe them. I believe Jesus did all of this for me. And so I declare it from my heart, and I claim the benefit of it. I claim the blessing of it. I claim the anointing from it in Jesus' precious name. And you know, as I've led people like that, then I lead them in a a prayer of thanksgiving. Oh, Father in heaven, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for sending Jesus. I thank you for what Jesus did for me. I thank you that he suffered in the garden and he sweat great drops of blood for my mental anguish, not wanting to drink of that terrible, horrible cup of the drugs, the dregs of the wickedness, of the oppression of the mind, of all that sin does to the human mind, not wanting to partake of that for us. I thank you, Father, that he did partake. He said, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But it was not your will, Father, and so Jesus had to drink of that. He partook of that, and the angels had to come and strengthen him being the very Son of God, but yet the very man, he was so weak. (laughs) And the angels of the Lord had to come and strengthen him after that. It must have been a horrible, horrible mental ordeal. And then he went back to his disciples after two or three times and said, could you not watch and pray with me for one hour? And then after that, he went back to them and he said, sleep on now for the time is soon to come and of my deliverance to be delivered up. And next thing you know, he says, arise, wake up, for it's that time. So the blood, the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of those are the attributes. And your authority is the name of Jesus. So in the name of Jesus, you're the power of the shed blood for the remission of sins as far back as needs be <laughs> to the very first thought, word, deed, or gesture. And for the, the mind of Jesus, for the mind of, of my mind, of the sexual joining, and for, for the sins that I committed into. And uh, the, my, in my body, I did these kind of things. And I, I asked, Lord, because you suffered in your body, it was nailed to that cross for my sins. And for the effects that this has had on my nervous system, has had on me, I need healing, Lord Jesus. 
And I believe you suffered in your body, your mind, and your spirit for me. I believe that. And so I ask you to set me free now. Loose me from the power and the bondage of this, I pray, Father. And, and heal my spirit. Set my spirit free. And uh, so we can pray that way. And when I've done that and led people through that, I tell you, their face, their whole countenance changes. And now, you know this, Shannon, there are times when you try to lead them in a prayer like that, and they can't say it. They they can't say it. They just start stuttering. They can't say it in the name of Jesus. See, they can't say it. They can't say the blood of Jesus. That is so common to be expected because, you know, they're in bondage. But if they, if they persist and, and keep pressing in, God always honors it. And it's so beautiful and so precious. Brother Groover, what do you do if you suspect that uh, your parents or grandparents, even further back, were involved in a, a sin that has brought a curse on the family? Uh, but you wow. just don't know exactly what it is that's in the family. And I'm going to give you a real story. I was living okay. in Panama. For about two years, uh, uh-huh. Republic of Panama, and uh, I fell asleep one night. The Lord spoke to me in a dream. I couldn't see him, but I heard his voice. He said, you and your brother Damon have a generational curse you need to break. Mm-hmm. Now, that was pretty heavy for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I suspected there was something in the family line, so my father's side. How far back it had started, I don't know, and exactly what it know. was, mm-hmm. the Lord didn't tell me. So. Uh-huh. Uh, I knew, though, that there was something that I needed to deal with. Now, whether it was me or someone out there listening right now around the world, and maybe they know a parent was involved in witchcraft or sexual sin, whatever it may be. Maybe they don't have any idea, but uh, they they feel like they're under a curse. How do you deal with that? What would you do um, to remit those sins, and how do you break that curse? Amen. Amen. You see, as, as a family member, as a family member, we have that authority. Uh, we have that authority to break it for ourselves, and we have the authority to break it for our children that are still not of the age of accountability. If they've already gone beyond the age of accountability, you've got to shift over into the mode of remitting their sins and releasing the goodness of the Lord until they come to the Lord. But for your family... You have every right, according to the scriptures, according to my understanding, you have every right to go before the throne of God, because the scriptures are very clear that he gathers us by families, doesn't he? He calls us families. He calls us nations by families. And, and he, he's, he's promised to join again the last words in the Old Testament He will join again the hearts of the fathers, the children with the fathers, won't he? Lest he come and smite the earth with a curse. So there is a covenant from God. He would not do that. He would not covenant with us to to join again the heart of the children with their family if it wasn't available. And so when you do that, you, you, you come as a uh, in, in the book of Peter, it says you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation of peculiar people, right? 
And so you come before the Lord, first of all, for yourself. The priests always, when they went in to offer up uh, sacrifice for other sins, they always began by offering up sacrifice for themselves. So you first offer up sacrifice for yourself. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of the shed blood, the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord, I come before your royal courts. If there be any sin in my life, known or unknown, please forgive me. Wash me, cleanse me, purge it out of me. Purify my heart, purify my mind, I pray. Cleanse me thoroughly, almighty God, that I may bring honor and glory to your name. I want my family to be called by your name. This is my motive. This is the cry of my heart. I intercede for my family as a priest over my family. I offer up. I remit the sins that have been committed in my generations before me on my mother and father's side. I remit those sins in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just declare the power of the shed blood, the body, the mind, the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ over each and every one of my family members. And I renounce this covenant with the unfruitful works of darkness. I renounce it. I rebuke it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got two phones here, hand phones. I'm going to switch over now. I hope I don't lose you. It's okay. Go ahead. Praise the Lord. We're live right now with Henry Gruber. Praise the Lord. We're all right here. Praise the Lord. We did it without losing you. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And so, did you get that? Uh, Yes. Didn't didn't die before I said it. Good. Oh, sure. Keep going. Uh, And so, you see, just take your place as the priest of your home. Now, in 1 Peter, it tells you how to qualify to be a priest, a royal priesthood, to offer up sacrifices, right, of praise and thanksgiving for sins and all. And so there are, in the first verses of that chapter, there are definite verses of the requirement of priesthood. And so see that you qualify for those prerequisites there. It's it's very important. And if you qualify for that, then, then the Lord hears you. The Lord hears you, and he, he, uh, he's ready to, uh, ready to hear you and ready to honor what you're saying here in First Peter chapter 2. He says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisies, envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And if so be that you've tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a, lie, a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. I love those words. Chosen of God and precious. You see, you also, look at that. He includes you in that verse 4. You also, as lively or living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So you see, there we have 
that entrance. We have that 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 invitation to come into priesthood. We come into it in First Peter chapter one verse two. He's addressing the elect of God. Verse two here in First Peter chapter one, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now here you are. Here's how you're the elect of God through sanctification of the Spirit, or get your spirit right with God, unto obedience, the sprinkling, and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. So the sprinkling of the blood of, of, the blood of Jesus, you do to come in for yourself in the beginning, to come before we, we who, as uh, Ephesians says, we were sometimes afar off, we're now made nigh by the blood of Jesus, and Hebrews also says that. So we are drawn nigh by the blood of Jesus, so we can come boldly before the throne of God through the blood of Jesus. So the sprinkling of the blood is a vital part of coming before the throne and getting our heart and our, our, our mind and our spirit, uh, in other words, as it says there, uh, sanctifying our spirit, and obedience uh, through the sprinkling of the blood. So we, we do that. And so doing that for your family, take your position as a high priest over your family. You know, I, I began learning this way back in 19, 1966, 67. Uh, I began learning Maxwell White's book, uh, The Power of the Blood. It's a classic book now. I don't know if it's still, I think oh, yes. it's still available. Oh, yes, H.A. Maxwell White. That's right. I knew him personally. I met him walking Toronto, Canada. Wow. The Lord told me to go to that church on Sunday morning. I walked by it on Saturday afternoon and said, that's where you're to go to church tomorrow morning. I went, and here it was Maxwell White's church. I can still remember his address, 2 Delbert Drive, Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. <laughs> wow. And that began a friendship with Maxwell White for many years. I ministered with him. We cast out devils together. We prayed over people for healing, and uh, he was a jewel. That man could sit and listen to the ham, ham radio, and all I would hear is a blur of voices. And he would pick out a voice and start speaking in French or in German or in Latin. <laughs> he spoke fluently several languages. And he'd just be answering it, get their call letter, send them a card. And he would later he uh, move to uh, Ford. Is that right? Come back to the States? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, he had three sons. One of them, I think, followed him in the ministry. Did you ever David. Do you know what happened to any of them? You know, I don't. I've lost contact with them. I really don't. Reason I, I, uh, I asked is a number of his books are out there still in print, including The uh -oh. Power of the Blood. I uh, have not found too many audios, though, of him, and I was just curious if there was any surviving family member that might have any of his old oh. messages on cassettes. But Oh, my, 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 my. You know what? I don't know if they'd still be any good or not, but a man that might have his messages on cassette has passed away, but his widow is down in Phoenix, Arizona. You know what? I'm supposed to go down there in January 
I'm going to go to her house and see if, if he has, because all of his masters are still, she said she hadn't thrown anything away. Wow. And see if there's any by Maxwell White. Yeah. If Boy, still would you do that? Kid, you know? That would be awesome, uh, because uh, I know that there has to be some stuff out there, and there's been very little I've been able to find. But wow. I was hoping that someone out there may have held on to some of his early teaching on cassette. Yeah, I hope those cassettes are still good. They're Let's in make his garage. To ask. It gets, it gets very hot in Phoenix, but if they exist out of the sun and all that. But, uh, we, could, uh, we could convert those and give back to Masters with a, a DVD. So praise the Lord. Brother Groover, let me take you back to that book. So God is teaching you this principle, and you are reading the book, The Power of the Blood. What happened next? Well, I, I got married and had two children, and I had a... a a three-year-old daughter at that time, and I had a, a two, two-year-old, a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son, Stephen. And uh, uh, I was sprinkling the blood by faith, putting the blood over the doorposts of my home each day and trying to practice it. And, and I didn't see any change. I didn't see any difference, and nothing happened. And you know how when you practice something like that new for some time and you don't see any results, you begin to question, did it do anything? And right. That's where I was. I was questioning. And uh, my wife is away with her mother shopping in her car. And uh, so I, I, we had run out of milk, and I wanted to get some milk and bread to make sandwiches for lunch for the children and uh and myself, and so I said, all right, go out into the carport, and, and we'll get in the car. So I opened the door, and they went out, and I thought my two-year-old had gone to the car like the three-and-a-half-year-old three and had, but instead went out the door, but I came out, and the curtain would blow out of the door. And In, in, in Phoenix, you have evaporative coolers, <laughs> the water-cooled coolers. And uh, so I would have to push the curtain in real quick and then close the door real fast before the curtain blew back. I, I needed to fix the, the rack that held the curtain in. I hadn't fixed it yet. <laughs> Believe me, I fixed it after this. But um, I quickly pushed the curtain in, pulled the door shut, and my son screamed. And I looked to the right, and his little finger is in the back side of this big hardcore door. Oh, boy. And I pushed the door open. He lifts his little hand up screaming, and his little finger is hanging by a little piece of skin. Jesus, have mercy. And the blood is running down his arm and his hand, and I feel so horrible what I had just done to my son. I couldn't believe what I did to my son. And uh, I crushed his finger right off, and (laughs) The next next thing I find, I'm cupping my hands. Instead of taking him up into my arms and running him back into the bathroom uh, to wash off the blood and try and do something for him, I'm cupping my two hands together and I put them under his little hand and his blood is dripping into the palm of my hands. And I hear with my ears out of my lips, the words, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. 
And when I hear my words from my lips speaking, this, this boldness hit me. And this boldness was so real and so precious. Then I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And that little finger went right back on, blew back up full size, and he, he looks at it, and he says, Daddy, it's okay. Jesus put it back on, and he blew it up like a balloon. It's okay. It don't hurt no more. Well, the blood was still dripping off his elbow. And I looked at it, and his finger was perfect. It didn't hurt. I took him in, cleaned him up. All he had was two little red marks, one on each side of his knuckle when his mama got home. And uh, he went running to her and said, Looky, Mama, Daddy slammed my big, my little finger in the door. And he took it off, but Jesus put it back on and healed it. Oh, praise Jesus. <laughs> and uh, let me tell you something, Shannon. I'm telling you, brother, after that, I continued to claim the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over my family, over my home. Whenever there's a, a slight emergency or something on the highway, or it looks like something's going to happen. The blood of Jesus comes out of my mouth so quick. And uh, I, I never could tend before that. I never could tend accidents. Uh, I, I would just get too nervous, so I would go direct traffic around it and let others tend to the accidents. But after that, I have tended some of the most horrible body crushed accidents with full faculties and full faith and confidence and full peace and have led people to the Lord in their dying breath right at the scenes of accidents claiming the blood of Jesus it um, oh I tell you it there, there's nothing more precious and more powerful we used to sing it all the time what can wash away my sins Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me pure and clean again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, how precious is that flow. That makes me white as snow. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And uh, I, I'm a firm believer in it, brother. I'm a firm believer in the blood of Jesus. And it, you know, some of these translations in Asia, they've taken the blood out of them. And, uh, boy, I've been teaching now, teaching uh, the scriptures of, of the bloodline and things like this, of the blood messages and all that. And uh, it's no wonder, you know, in Asia that they, and in Germany and places like Germany, they have blood pudding. And uh, in Asia, they eat the fish, you know, the raw fish. Uh, they put a skewer stick through it and dice the chick the, the fish up and it's live and it has toothpicks in like one square centimeter pieces and you just torque that piece of toothpick and take that piece of raw flesh off of that fish and and eat it like that while the fish's mouth is moving his eyes are blinking and oh it's it's sadistic it's horrible it, it's cruel i've only had to do it once but i was with a non-believer or i wouldn't have done it but uh I wanted to be a witness to him. <laughs> Amazing. Um, Brother Gruber, so let's say we've got somebody tuning in out there tonight, and they said, you know what, I have uncovered that uh, my mother or my grandmother was uh, involved in witchcraft, or 
a father or grandfather was uh, involved in adultery. And they wanted to uh, break that curse off of them right now. Would you lead us in a prayer to do that so we can have an example? Amen, amen, amen. And uh, in real time, folks, you can join with Brother Groover and pray this prayer and break a curse right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Say these words. I'll hesitate so you can say them after me. Father in heaven, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of his precious, precious blood, through the precious body that Jesus gave, for in Hebrews it says, a body you had prepared. Because of the mind of Jesus, where he suffered such great drops of blood on his brow, striving against the mental anguish, also suffering the plaiting of the crown of thorns by sticks. They beat on that crown of crucifixion thorns that are two inches long, as they pierced down into his brow, it must have hurt horribly. Through the mind of Jesus and through the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the spirit of myself, my body, my mind, I claim deliverance for my ancestors. I'm not praying for the dead. The sin is what remains. I cannot pray for the dead. They have already been judged. The word says once it is appointed man to die, then comes the judgment. But the sin that they have committed, that sin goes down from generation to generation. And now it's come on me It's come on my children. It's come on my wife through sexual joining and my children. And I don't want this. I don't want any fellowship with these oaths, covenants, curses, fetishes that my ancestors indulged in. I don't want any part of that. But by my will and my choice, I choose to renounce them because they're hidden works of darkness. By my will, my choice, I choose to renounce them because they're hidden works of darkness. I renounce them and I remit the sin of them as many generations back. as needs be, to the very first thought, word, deed, or gesture. I remit them in the name of Jesus, and I break the power of them and the spell of them through the power of the shed blood of Jesus. And I declare liberty Liberty, as Jesus died and rose from the dead, triumphant, I believe with all my heart 
he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he made a show conquering all powers, principalities, rulers of darkness, and made a show of them in his conquering openly. He didn't do it in secret. He did it openly. And because he conquered and overcame openly, I choose and and believe that I also overcome with my Lord because of what he suffered in his body, mind, and spirit. Now, Father, only you know how far reaching the generations are now living of them that have made these covenants and have committed these sins. Only you know where they are in the world. But for those that are living, as well as myself, those that are living, as well as myself and my family, I declare liberty from these curses and covenants. I ask for healing, spirit, soul, body, mind, subconscious mind, and subliminally. I ask for healing right now over myself, my family, and my extended family, wherever they are, branched out across the face of the earth. And I ask that you just pour your love and your goodness upon my family members near and far. And according to Matthew 9:37, I pray to you, the Lord of the harvest, according to Matthew 9:37, I pray to you, the Lord of the harvest, Almighty God, that you would send forth laborers into your harvest to lead them to you. Surround my family members near and far with godly Christians that will love them to you, that our generation may be redeemed, and that we may be bought back by the precious and holy blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father. I love you, Jesus. I love you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for coming at the request of Jesus and the sending of the Father to judge the world of righteousness, sin, and of judgment. Because John 16 says in verse 1, for the prince of this world is judged already. 
For when he comes, when Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, Father, you sent the Holy Spirit at Jesus' request. When he sends the Holy Spirit, he will judge the world of righteousness, of sin, and of judgment. Because the prince of this world is judged already. So therefore, as he, Ephesians chapter 6 says, when we put on the armor of God, we have now the power and the protection to fight against powers, principalities, the ruler of darkness, the prince of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Oh, precious Father, Thank you, thank you, thank you for sending Jesus to bring this about and fulfill it. Thank you for setting my family free. Thank you for setting me free. Now, Father in heaven, if any of these thoughts or any of these natures try to come back and manifest against me, pray that now. Father, if any of these natures or or spirits or wickedness try to manifest against me, to condemn me. I pray that you will help me to remember, I am free. For whom the Son sets free, they are free indeed. I am free. Therefore, I do not, I do not accept this back. But I accept the challenge. Somebody else needs prayer right now. Somebody's battling with generational sins. Father, if you will tell me who they are, I'll pray for them. Or if you don't, I'll pray in the Spirit until I get released that you've heard. I give myself to prayer for them. And as you do that, you have aimed the battle away. You pressed the battle to the gate. You haven't taken it personally to yourself. You pressed the battle to the gate. And as you do that consistently for healing, for deliverance, for generational sins, whatever, if you do that consistently, holding your faith in the Lord and rejoicing in Him, in His time, the full manifestation of your deliverance and your healing will take place. Hallelujah. And you will be full of joy. As the, the song goes, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Thank you, Father. Amen. 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 The chains are broken. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Brother Gruber, I think I'm going to have to call this uh, program Pressing the Battle to the Gate. <laughs> Sounds good, brother. Uh, folks, good. we only we're have about... We're talking about the, the natural gates of the DMZ, and now we're talking about the mental and the spiritual gates, because, brother, I'm telling you, if we, if, if we don't get these natural gates in order properly, then we're not going to get the spiritual ones in order, are we? That's right. Amen. That is the truth. We only have this about what, 15 minutes. Say, oh, okay, we're down to 15. All right. Well, but I, wow, want, 
but I wanted to tell you. Five minutes went quick. <laughs> it sure did. We got a little bit of buffers on there. Uh, continue with what you were saying. Um, people say to me all the time, "What what does it accomplish going on these mountains and putting your foot on these altars, climbing into these caves, uh, and putting your foot on these shaman altars, and where they call up the spirit of the dead and all that?" What does it accomplish? I mean, they're not there doing it. They're not calling up those spirits at that time. I say, I'll tell you exactly what it accomplishes. I've heard it at the mouth and the testimony of so many who were once practicing it. They go back to that altar. They go back to that temple to practice, and they can't function properly. And they begin to seek the truth. They begin to seek what's happened. And that's why you always pray the Matthew 9.37, see, the Lord of the harvest is sent forth laborers to surround them, because you see, we don't want to take down strongholds quicker than there are laborers to rescue the ones that were bound by those strongholds. Or they would be casualties, right? They would In many cases. Absolutely, they would become casualties. The suicide rate, uh, the the mental sickness rate would go off the charts. So what you're doing is when you find these areas where people have been murdered, there's been uh, witchcraft altars set up, there's been you know perversions going on, abortion clinics, whatever, um, that ground is cursed. Is that right? Absolutely. And, it, and Satan has full license to operate there. You see, when a, a murder and a rape or something of that magnitude, com- most commonly... In my experience of walking the world, when a murder and a rape takes place of a, of a sexual violation along with innocent blood in the ground, that gives Satan license to come and set up an operational center. Okay. And so therefore, when you walk into that operational center where that event is occurring, uh, a, a drive-by store, you know, an all-night store and a shooting and a death. And, and there's just fighting and violence and, and terrible things going on in that store, on and on and on. Satan had full license to go in there. We as his people have every responsibility to go and take it back. I've gone to many murder scenes in my years of walking where they have the ribbons quadrant off. And I've asked the sergeant... Uh, May I, I mean, you can accompany me, but I pray, and I want to break the covenant with death off of this. And uh, could I walk it and pray it? I'd like to put my feet where the blood was shed. I've had them refuse me, outright refuse me, and say, get out of here. You know, we're in the middle of an investigation. And then I've had other uh, officers say, yeah, I would like to see you do it. I'd like to see what you're doing. I've never heard of this before. And so, you know, yes, you're going to get rejections. But when you go to that spot where that innocent blood is, that chalk mark is there where the, where the victim fell by a drive-by shooting or a, a store robbery, uh, you put your foot there in that chalk mark area and you touch that area and remit those sins of the innocent blood, a suicide uh, remit the sins of that bloodshed and take authority over that again in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the shed blood, body, mind, and spirit. 
then you have taken back that geographical land, that geographical area, and Satan's operational center ceases to continue. Intersections where accidents are happening all the time, you know and I know these roads once were trails. Then they became a little bit of a road. Then they became a horse path, you know, and a cart path, and then an automobile path. And where, where drugs and where robberies and things like that and murders took place, then intersections are made right over these areas, and we don't even realize it. And that covenant with death still rules and reigns over that area. And so, therefore, we go in as the priests of the living God. This is our authority, what I read there in First Peter chapter 2. We're a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. <coughs> and uh, so we go in as the priests of the living God. And I love what it says back in uh, uh, Deuteronomy. I think it's Deuteronomy chapter 21, where a murder has been committed. And uh, where uh, they call the priests of the Lord in. And uh, when the priests of the Lord come in, uh, I'm looking for it real quick here. Uh, what time. it says, and uh, let's see here. Yeah, in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 5, it says, And the priests, the sons of Levi, shall come near. Now, that verse 1 of chapter 21 of Deuteronomy says, If one be found slain in the land which the Lord your God has given thee to possess it, lying in the field, and it is not known who is slain him, then you call for the investigation, the, the elders of the city, there's your investigation, and then you call for the priests, in verse 5, and them to come near. For them the Lord thy God hath chosen to minister unto him, and to bless in the name of the Lord, and look at these words, and by their word shall every controversy and every stroke be tried. Boy, that's powerful. And so when we look at 1 Peter chapter 2 as the priest of God, a royal priesthood, hallelujah, this is the authority we have. So again, we, we, we remit the sin of that innocent blood, and again I go back as many generations back as needs be to the very first thought, word, deed, or gesture. And then remit those sins, and then release the goodness of God upon them that are living today, that are descendants of them that committed the acts, or were subjected to the brutality of it. You cover both sides that way. And remitting those sins from those individuals, spirit, soul, body, mind, conscious, subconscious, and subliminally, and then releasing the goodness of God upon them that leads them to repentance, and calling on the Lord to surround them with Christians, calling them the, the Salvation Army, so to speak, uh, very sensitive to them this time of the year. You see them in, <laughs> out in front of the stores ringing the bells. <laughs> You're calling it the Lord of the Harvest at that point? That's it. We're calling on the Lord of the Harvest to surround them with Christians that will love them to him. And I'm telling you, brother, I prayed over a horrible five-point accident uh, uh, area, 
in uh, Ohio just this summer, and you know what? They've told me it has not been. Every week there were accidents with deaths or serious injuries. Wow. They, they told me there has not been another accident with death or serious injury in that five-point intersection since we prayed it that day. It set that dear brother on fire. That actually breaks the curse off of the land. Is that right? That's right. You're breaking the covenant with death of the curse of the death, curse of death. Is there anything else you have to do to cleanse the land after that, or is it all included in what you just said? Uh, I say, yeah, the blood, the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord over that land. And I put my foot in it and walk it, or uh, a brothel, or a nightclub, new dancing, walk around it and uh, touch the four corners of the building. You don't have to make a big scene. We've done it many times, and, and prostitutes or entertainers are coming in to go and dance. And we start witnessing to them, and they just start weeping and come to the Lord. Because you've, you've bound, you've taken dominion over the strong man. You can't take the city lest you first bind the strong man. You can't take your home lest you first bind the strong man. You can't take your business or a business or the city till you first bind the strong man. And then you can spoil his goods. Amen. And that's what we were aiming toward North Korea doing and have been teaching the church of North of South Korea to do, and you will see a breakthrough. Praise the Lord. The, the enemy's angry now, see? He, you say, well, what about the 80 people he gathered and, and tortured their children before their eyes and then put them in prison to be tortured? I know, <clears throat> I know people can say, you stirred up something now and a worse thing has happened. Satan doesn't give up easy, does he? He doesn't give up easy. But we don't give up either. We don't give up either. For the Groover, there is a documentary out right now that is called The Bridge. And what it is, it's a film crew that over a period of time, uh, they filmed a number of people that had jumped off of the Golden Gate Bridge to their deaths. Have you had an opportunity to prayer walk the Golden Gate Bridge yet? You know, I went to do it, and the security people wouldn't even let me go and touch the road that went on it. They only let me go to where cars parked. They wouldn't, the parking lot, they wouldn't let me go walk on it. Uh, A suicide had just taken place, and they... They wouldn't let anybody out there. And I said, but I, I'm, and I tried to explain it, and they said, oh, just go. Get out of here. We got enough to do. Do and you have that? That officer said to me, he said, you see all these cars parked here? He said, when they go jump off the bridge, that car is parked there. When it sits there for uh, uh, four days and it's not moved, we impound it and we find out that here it's the person that jumped. Wow. So he said, if you want to go pray about these suicides, go pray over those cars, but you're not getting on this bridge. Oh, boy. So I did. I went and prayed, and I actually cried. There must have been eight eight to ten cars there, brother. Oh, man. That were sitting there, and I couldn't believe it. They were, this was back, oh, man, this was back in the early 80s when I walked in San Francisco. This documentary came out in 2006. 
So I think it's time when you're in San Francisco again, you've got to get over to the Golden Gate Bridge. Got to do it. To break that curse, would you have to walk the length of the whole bridge or just touch the bridge somewhere? What do you think? You know what I think I will do, and if anybody gets a chance to do this, you're listening, do what I said. Go drive it when there's no traffic. When you can come to a stop on the bridge at different intervals, just ask the Lord to lead you. When to come to a stop, just open the door and put your foot on that bridge. Just stomp your foot on it and say, I break this covenant with death in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And do that at different intervals, both directions. And I believe you will begin seeing uh, a complete change. Just remitting the sins of the past as far back as needs be. (laughs) Do those principles that you heard me today, and I know... Shannon, I know you've recorded this, so therefore you'll make it available to people. Oh, yes. And uh, so do those, those procedures. We, we did that in Arizona State University, Tempe, Arizona, off the Science Life Bill. I know we're down to minutes now or seconds. But we did that with a team of the, the, the Christian Union there had jumped off of the sixth story of the Science Life Building and landed on the concrete right in front of the, the girl that was over Christian Union, and it just tore her up. And I came into town. She read in paper that I was teaching on spiritual warfare, got a hold of the pastor, got a hold of me, and said, would you come Saturday and pray? The stain of his blood was still there on the sidewalk. And we stood there and wept and cried and remitted those sins and walked around that Science Life building, then walked around many areas, the most historical building on campus, and one of the people said at daybreak, just when it's still darkest part of the morning, darkest part of the day, they had seen people, cape and gowns, walking and, and, and chanting around that historical founders building of Arizona State University. And we prayed over that. And I prayed over the sun devils. And I asked them, do you see where the devil is sticking the pitchfork? And they said, well, oh my goodness, he's sticking the pitchfork in you, ASU, Arizona State University. Wow. He was sticking the pitchfork in you. They had never noticed that before. So we, we said, we got to pray that the Lord will change the logo of Arizona State University. But I have on record, there has not been a suicide on that campus since we prayed it. Wow, that was a clue right there, what the devil was doing. <laughs> Absolutely. Brother Groover, had you, have you had a chance to walk the White House yet? Uh, <laughs> just part of it. <laughs> you know, they used to do a tour. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> my cold has got after me here. There used to be a tour, and you could go through a couple of the rooms, the green room, the blue room. and We rebuked oh, that really? cold in Jesus' name. I don't know oh. if they're still doing tours, Uh I, I guess that we plead <laughs> the security, blood of Jesus right now over you. Yes, amen. I think security is so tight anymore. I think they they stop them unless you have special permission. But you know, <coughs> I think I could maybe get permission to do it. I I keep getting invitations from people to uh, to pray. You know, to come to Washington again. Brother, I think you I think you need to prayer walk the White House. We need it really bad with all the things been going <laughs> on the past couple administrations. I've got a bonus question for you. Uh, people ask me to ask you, what is the true situation with Fukushima now? You were in Japan. Uh, 
Is the true story being reported? Can you say anything about that tonight? Uh, the thing that amazes me, there are scientists saying in Japan now that the radiation is, is, will not hurt you. It will not hurt you. But there is so much money in TPP, that's Tokyo Public Power, uh, that I'm afraid they're paying off a lot of the leaders of the diet, and uh, they're not clamping down on them quick enough and hard enough. Uh, they are trying to remove the rods, you know. I don't know if they've successfully got them removed yet. Uh, a very dangerous thing for them to be doing, but... Uh, Let's assume, I just assume that maybe some radiation is escaping and making its way to America. <laughs> is there anything we can do about it? Absolutely. I... I was not. I wasn't even five miles from Fukushima, the the, the Daiichi power plant, with a team <coughs> taking care and feeding, and bringing clothes and drinks and things for the people that go back there to mourn where their their loved ones died. And the radiation went up 14 points. And the, the brother said to me, "It it could boil our blood. We got to get out of here." And I said, "Wait." And there were 21 workers. And I said, hold on, hold on, brother. Get the workers together. We were right in the middle of making barbecues. We had about 20 barbecue pits, portable barbecue pits, cooking for the people. Wow. And uh, I said, get them together. Just get them together now. It'll be quick. And I said, hold up your meters. Hold up your Geiger counters. And they held them up. And I started rebuking that radiation, commanded to go back into those reactors in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not touch one of us here or one of the people in this area. I command in the name of Jesus. And the shout went up. It went all the way down to zero. Boom, oh. boom, boom. Down, 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 down. That quick to zero. No radiation reading. I was just in, uh, just in the city of Fukushima just last month when the, the 7.5 earthquake hit. And I was in a five-story building, sleeping. It was about two 2.21 in the morning. And my head began banging the headboard so hard that it was going to knock me out. I looked, and my drapes were shaking like somebody was trying to shake them out. The walls were bending. And I sit up, about to be thrown on the floor, and I said, In the name of Jesus, stop shaking! And it stopped shaking immediately. Then I was in Tokyo less than a, uh, two weeks later. Another, that wasn't as bad a one, it was a five-point-something, and I rebuked that one, and it stopped shaking then, too. Wow. We just have to take our authority. Take our authority, and God will do it. That's the third time I've rebuked the earthquakes. Brother Grover, powerful testimonies today. As we're closing today, uh, a couple of quick things I want to ask you. Uh, where mm -hmm. are you going to be going from uh, this month on? Any, um, any trips you're getting ready to take? Or any place yes, you're going to be speaking? January, I'll be down in Okinawa, on the islands of Okinawa, South Japan again. The Okinawa Prefecture. We're going to be praying some new islands again. And uh, then I go over to Korea again. And we'll be at the International Church in Korea in the early part of February. And uh, they're bringing 75 of their pastors and missionaries to the conference. It'll be thousands that'll be in it. Uh, teaching exactly what we just covered today, our authority in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, teaching these missionaries from all over the world. Will they be recording it? You know they will. 
Please, you want me to get a copy? Please, uh, any place you go from now on, it's so important. Please get a copy if uh, they can supply you with CD or DVD, and we'll help you in any way we can. Get it up on your website. All right. Um, All right, brother. W- will you by chance be going to Okinawa to another one of those islands where they might have the deadly two-step adder? Uh, they have those adders on many of the islands. Uh, I know you've cleared I, some of them already. Yes. The one that uh, I did clear, they, to this day, I was just there last February. They have not found one adder on that island. Again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and that's nine years, almost nine years now. Wow. And there's farms, vegetables, and fruits, and now they're putting cows on it and uh, building houses. Praise the Lord. So you'll be going to uh, Korea, Okinawa, and... Um... Then I will be going up to Osaka uh, on the... Oh, boy, let's see, the end of... Uh, uh, let's see, the in Mar- uh, March. I think it's the first week in March. I will be going to Osaka. And uh, at... Uh, Antioch Seminary. I'll be teaching there at Antioch Seminary. And uh, speaking of Osaka, have you had an opportunity to prayer walk the Osaka Castle? Yes, I have. I praise God. We're we're the mm-hmm. Shogun Samurais and all. We're okay. Awesome. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yes, I have, and in uh, Kyoto as well. Brother, uh, I wish I had another ten hours uh, today. We got to have you back <laughs> on soon. Um, well, I'll be I'll be at the Antioch Seminary the first of uh, March through the fifth of March, and uh, then I'll go up to Iwaki, which is right up near the Daiichi Power Plant, and then I fly on the seventh of March to Hawaii, the Big Island. We will be more walking and praying on the Big Island until I leave the seventeenth uh, to go back to Phoenix, Arizona on the 17th of March. So that's kind of our schedule. Brother Gruber, is it true that there are some in Hawaii that are calling for human sacrifice again to the volcanoes? Absolutely. And that's the areas we're praying. These, where the, the Haitians came up there and did human sacrifice and ate the flesh of their victims and called it manna. Can you believe that? Oh, boy. Uh, Captain Cook, the great explorer. It says right there that they sacrificed him and ate his flesh. Oh, my goodness. They were. Uh, I saw the old movie with uh, Deborah Padgett here recently again, uh, Birds of Paradise. Uh-huh. And, uh, if that was not a true rendition of what they were doing over there, sacrificing people to volcanoes, I don't know what it was. And, uh, oh, my Lord. And those demons yes. are probably still in operation until you can prayer walk those areas. They have been, and we've been doing getting teams together and... Uh, uh, praying them, believe Pray, me. Praise the Lord. So, now, Brother Groover, when do you think it would be a good time for us to reach out to you again and get you to come back on the program? You're going to be very busy. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be kind of busy, but uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I'll uh, I'll do my best to give you a call when I see a time frame when I can do it and my voice is good. Praise the Lord. And we'll try and do another one, okay? Maybe I can try and squeeze in another one before I leave the country in January. Hey, we'd love to have you on, have you come back on and give some more testimony and teaching. And um, final question for you, Brother uh, Groover, how can a person support your ministry? Is there a way to do that? Yeah, they can go on uh, They can go on joyfulsoundministries.com on computer site, and uh, they can go on eBay there. What do they, what do they call it? eBay uh, or eBay? Uh, yeah, PayPal. You can do that to order materials, or you could do it as an offering. 
then you can use your credit card to do that. I can't handle credit cards here in the office. It's just checks, but uh, post office box 144, Woodbine, Iowa, 51579, Joyful Sound Ministries or JSM, Inc. Also, folks, you can go to henrygroover.com, and that will forward you right to Joyful Sound Ministries. There is a PayPal there. I want to encourage everybody to help underwrite uh, Brother Groover because uh, you get a piece of the the fruit that comes from this ministry when you can help send him. Absolutely. That's a principle we learn. That really works, folks. Brother Groover. That's how we keep going, by people giving. Bless you. Thank you. We love and appreciate you. you. And uh, I want to remind you, please uh, get a message to your your son, uh, the missionary, and tell him we'd love to have him come on and preach. I'm going to do it. He's going to be with me this weekend, and uh, awesome. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get him to give you a call, and we're going to get it worked out. Okay? Would you like to close in prayer? Oh, absolutely. Precious Father in heaven, I just thank you for Omega Man and Shannon Davis and all the the crew that works with him that helps make this happen. And for everyone that gives to Omega Man to financially support it, bless each one of them, Lord. Bless them abundantly. And Lord, I just pray now that you just cover what has been spoken with the precious blood, protect it, guide it into the hearts and hands and minds and individuals who needed to hear it. And Lord, in your timeliness, get me back on again so we can do another chapter in this and see what you want to do in the earth. We just commit this to you with thanksgiving. Bless it now and bless every listener, I pray, and seal it in their hearts that it will bring forth an abundance of good fruit after its kind. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Amen. 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 Father God, I ask that you would bless Brother Groover and his family. We plead the blood of Jesus over you right now. We ask God that you'd loose favor and loose angels to go out and create favor in the name of Jesus. Amen. Open up doors for him for new ministry, for new prayer walking assignments. Bless his finances. And we ask that you loose a wall of fire from Zechariah 2 and 5 to surround him in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Love you, brother. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank uh, you, Brother Davis. God bless you. Keep working on the Prayer Walkers Journal. All right. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Thank you now. Bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye.